Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Have you ever received a gift, maybe Christmas, maybe a birthday, that you didn't know how to use the gift that you got? Maybe it was something that was called smart. My, fa- my, my son-in-law uh, gave us a gift a few years ago because he thought we needed a smart uh, thermostat. Uh, and I didn't know what that meant. And he was telling all the things that the smart thermostat can do and control the temperature and you can do set different things. I'm like, I had no clue that my thermostat was wrong, that I just go over and move the lever on, punch the buttons up and all that kind of stuff. But he thought we needed a smart. So he installed it for us, got it for us, installed it for us. It took me forever to figure that thing out. I kept going back to the thing and doing it physically. He said, no, 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 you're supposed to go to the app. Use the app. And so I logged in, set that whole thing up. And the great thing is, is that I, now I don't know about your marriage, but I got control of the temperature of the house. Never told Lori what that login was. And so she would just tell me it's hot or cold. And then I got to say, well, sorry, I can't do anything about that. Um, so anyway, you get these smart things. We got about six months ago, we got a smart television. It's our first smart television. Uh, now, again, all this smart stuff, smart watches, smartphones, all that, you begin to feel kind of dumb because you didn't have them before and now you have them. And yet whenever you get something smart like a television, you're, I guess that means you, you know how to use it. I still, six months later, can't get from one app to the next app to get my way ar- around it. Now, again, that may be the, my problem. It's a personal problem. It's the, it's the loose nut behind the, the remote control. But the, the, the reality is, is that smart things only show you how dumb you are sometimes uh, or how much help you need in life. Well, I want to talk today about smart prayer because there's different kinds of prayer. Smart prayer is... Not for dumb Christians, okay? But if, if you're not careful, you might be stuck in a pattern of prayer that is way insufficient and way not what God designed prayer to be about. And this is one of those things that I want us to lean in on because it's kind of important in the whole Sermon on the Mount. In fact, what we're going to do today is we're going to do a little bit of a what we do in CrossFit where you talk about it and then you demo it and then you practice it, okay? So I'm going to talk about it for a few moments. Then I'm going to demo it. Then you're going to get the rest of next week to practice it. And I really challenge you to take anything you gather today, if you're following along in the worship guide online, you're taking notes, you're doing it uh, just in freehand, whatever, gather it together and begin to practice it right away. Because this is a rhythm. This is something that you build your life on. What prayer is, in fact, if I go back to the fall when we had this circle of life thing and we talked about this in powerful thing, and lot, lots of words up there, I'm not going to pre-preach that, that, that whole series, but if you'll notice under the inward work that God does on the inside of us, that building the scaffolding of our house is empowered prayer. Now I, I emphasize the word empowered prayer because there's a lot of people who pray, but I ask you the question, is your prayer powerful? Are you a person who prays or are you a person of prayer? Little nuance differences? No, 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 big difference. Because Jesus was a person of prayer. It was a part of who he was. 
It was what he did morning and night. It was, it was what he did. He prayed to the Father in Luke chapter 3 verse 21. He prayed in the morning in Mark chapter 1 verse 35. He prayed in the evening, uh, when he, when he, when he prayed in Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 12. When he prayed in the cities, he prayed in the mountainside, he prayed by the, the water shores, he prayed constantly. He prayed in beautiful moments on the Mount of Transfiguration. He also prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he suffered and died. When I say that he's a person of prayer, that means that it's a, it's one of the things, it's a rhythm, if you will, in his life. It was so much so, we know it was so much so, it was, it was the fuel, it was the, it was the, the energy behind what he did, that it was more impressive to his disciples than his miracles. More impressive than his teaching. Now, I'm not making light of that. Because 35 different times in, in, in the, in the, in the gospels, you find Jesus preaching in parables and they're life changing. I mean, they're saying he spoke with authority. They're saying he spoke like nobody has ever spoken before. They, I mean, there are all kinds of accolades because he's such an incredible communicator. His miracles. You count them up, there's 34 miracles. And of those miracles, they're life-changing. They're bringing p- dead people back to life. He's feeding 5,000s of people. I mean, it's just on and on and on. They're, they're truly impressive. But it was his prayer life that stirred those closest to him. It was what one, one scholar said this week that I read, is the highest and deepest expression of the inner, uh, inner person is what prayer is. And Jesus was a person who was one of prayer because it was not the miracles, it was not the parables, it was his prayer life that the disciples said, hey, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to do that. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, and he was praying in a certain place. Jesus always had a certain place. He had mountains, he prayed. Cities, he prayed. Where lots of places he prayed, he made sacred places. Wherever you pray, you can make that a sacred place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, teach us to pray. The only thing, the only request that the disciples asked of Jesus to teach them was how to pray. So Jesus does that. He does it in Luke chapter 11, but he also does it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. But now he starts with a lesson. There's a lot of ways you can teach somebody how to do something. You can start by contrasting it with how not to do something, which is exactly what he does. He says, don't pray. Don't pray. When you pray, don't pray as those who are the hypocrites and who pray in the synagogues. Well, we know if they're praying in the synagogues, he's referring to the Jews. Now, if you remember, he told, we've talked about it every week now. He, the whole message on the Sermon on the Mount is trying to get their righteousness better than that of the righteousness of the, of the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were the ones who would get in the synagogues, get really loud, get, get, get boisterous and, and they would shout out their prayers. They were doing this to impress people of their religiousness, of their holiness, whatever word you want to put in, that, that, that was about making big of themselves. It was to impress people. There's a prohibition against that. He's saying don't, don't pray like them. A second prohibition is don't pray like the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the ones who, when they prayed, they would just repeat things. They would just repeat it. They were like, they're like, we're going to drive God crazy because we're going to ask him so many times. We're going to waterboard God until he gives us what he wants, what we want. And they're just persistent about it. 
In fact, this is the way they said when you pray, do not heap on empty words as the Gentiles do. And then you look at examples of this when you go to Elijah and his life back in, back in the Old Testament. There was a time whenever he calls on the prophets of Baal. You pray, you pray to your God, I'm going to pray to my God. 400 prophets of Baal, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying all day long, they're morning, morning and night. God's not answering them. In two verses, Elijah prays and all of a sudden answer happens. Again, it's this repeated repetition and all day long waterboarding God. And then you go over in the New Testament and you find an example for two hours in Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, the people just stood and they cried out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! For two hours, can you hear that broken record? Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis! They're just calling down. Again, they believe that Artemis is the great God. So again, the Gentiles would pray repetitiously. They were like pounding on heaven. But here's the thing about prayer. Prayer isn't for your impression. It's not for me to make a good impression. With others or with God, okay? Prayer isn't for persuasion. Now you and I, and I know I did for a long time, think that prayer was persuasion. I am trying to get God to understand what I want. I am trying to get God to give me what I want. (laughs) It's like my will's here and I've got to somehow pound it, waterboard it into God up into heaven. And i got to penetrate the, the ceiling of heaven. It's how so much of us praying, but prayer is not that. Prayer is communion. It is being in union, being in conversation, those two words coming together to make communion. The whole idea of a unified conversation is me talking to God, God talking to me, us conversing with each other, us having this heart-to-heart relationship. Person of prayer or person who prays? person of prayer is a person who has a heart-to-heart relationship with God. Philip Brooks said it like this, prayer is not something we do, it is something that we are. It is the highest and the deepest expression of the inner person. When you think about examples, like you look at Moses and his example in the Old Testament, and you find that he had such a relationship with God. But it says in chapter 33 of Exodus, chapter uh, verse 11, it says, And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Now, do something here for yourself. Do you classify your relationship in prayer with God as a friendship, as a communion, two coming together, conversing, unified? Listen, when you come to the Lord's Prayer... In Matthew chapter 6, and again, if you haven't found it, find it. We'll be there in in just a moment. When you come to Matthew chapter 6, we are at the center. So prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is literally at the center of the center of the center of the Sermon on the Mount. And when I call it the Lord's Prayer, you're going to hear me go back and forth, Lord's Prayer, model prayer, Lord's Prayer, model prayer, because it's really not the Lord's Prayer, even though that's what we've called it. It's more of a model prayer for us to follow. The Lord's Prayer really happens in other places in the Gospels. This is actually God teaching us, giving us a, a lesson in how to pray. And whenever you look, you break it down. It's kind of an interesting break, breakdown. Whenever you, and again, I know most of us know the Lord's Prayer, and we'll go there in a moment. But let's just look at the Lord's Prayer and think about it for a moment. First part of the Lord's Prayer is really God-oriented. We're focusing on His name, His character. We're focusing on His kingdom. 
We're getting ourselves under the right authority, not some random authority. We're also focusing on His will. What is your will for my life? Am I in line with your will? So then we move to the human orient. We're praying for our bread. We're praying for our forgiveness. We're praying for our direction in life as we make decisions and go different pathways of of our day. So when you think about the model prayer, you break it down. It's God-centered, then human-centered, or God-oriented, then human-oriented. That's the way the Ten Commandments are. The first five commandments, God-centered. Second, relationship-centered with other people. When you look at the Beatitudes, the first part of the Beatitudes focuses primarily on our relationship with God. Second part of the Beatitudes focuses primarily on our relationship with God. I'm just pointing that out to see there's a, there's something important there. That, that that whole knowing God and that whole loving people is from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible and throughout the life of Jesus. So when I say one of our values or our values are knowing God, helping people know God, love people, it's because that is the orientation of of Scripture. That's the way it's supposed to be. So let's come back to this whole smart prayer thing. Because we don't want to be dumb Christians and have at our disposal smart prayer. What does smart prayer look like? Let me give you some smart prayers, if you will. Five of them. One is praise. And I think it's important at least in the beginning, that we look at these sequentially. Now, they may not always stay that way, but at least sequentially in the beginning. So let's, and that's how I will model it in, in, in a little bit. But I want us to think about praise. Praise starts with knowing who God is. So I cannot praise God if I don't know Him. You must know Him to praise Him. Because what is praise? Praise is acknowledging Him for who He is. Don't confuse prayer and thanksgiving, though there's a lot of similarities. Prayer and thanksgiving is thanking Him for what He has done. Praise is thanking Him for who He is. Do you know Him? Because if you don't know Him, you really won't have much to pray for, uh, to, to praise Him for. But whenever you look at the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to say this, uh, excuse me, I want us to say the, the Lord's Prayer together. Now, I learned it when I was a kid, King James Version, okay? So we're going to memorize, we're going to, we're going to quote it today. I'm sorry if you're not a King Jimmy person, but I learned it King Jimmy style. And so that's how we're going to quote it. And it'll be on the screen if you need some help. So, all right, pump it up, put it up there, pump it up there, pump it up there. Pump it, put it, whatever. All right, here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Amen. You notice where it starts with, hallowed be your name. Calling out the holiness. It's the Greek word hagias, which means holy. So your name is holy. Your character is set apart. You, God, are incredible, God. You're holy. You're righteous. There are so many attributes of God. The more you know God, the more you will be able to praise God. And the more you praise God, the more you can't keep silent to yourself. Look at the Psalms. In Psalms chapter 30, verse 20, it says, My soul may sing praise to you 
and not be silent. So here is something to think about. How can I come into this room and not sing? And not declare in worship to God? How can I keep... Listen, if His presence, if His worthiness, if His reality, if His character is filling up my spirit, I can't keep silent. It's going to come out. I will praise Him. See, praise flows out of a soul, the soul of who you are, to the essence of who God is. And the more I know Him, the more I'm going to want to praise Him. I cannot keep it to myself. I did something, started something just the most random kind of way about 60 days ago. And I'm going to give you the same 60-day challenge. Okay? I'll start it with how it's now how I landed there. About 60 days ago, I was praying like I normally pray. And God convicted me. Because this is how I would normally pray. God, I, I, I need you to, to, to fill in the blank. God, you know, there's this situation over here. God, I need you to kind of step in. It was like I was busting into heaven and immediately telling God, this is my short order. Bring it up. Provide it for me. And all of a sudden, God just stopped me. And he took me to the Lord's Prayer. He says, how does that start? Hallowed be my name. The character, the person of I have, in our own home, have stopped myself since in these past 60 days, stopped myself as I'm praying over dinner. It's just warmed up food, right? But I've stopped myself. I said, God, you're incredible. I have a meal. You've provided for me. You are my provider. God, you are my sustainer. And I begin to think about who God is to me. Let it transform you. So next 60 days, real simple challenge. Start each day with praise. What is it, something about God, that he has shown up in your life, done in your life, been present in your life, has done in somebody else's life, has manifested himself in some capacity that you've seen, experienced, or seen in others. Bring it up in praise. Write it down. So I'm going to show you just a clip from my journal this morning. I got 60 days worth of this. I just picked out this morning. And by the way, after I took the picture, I thought, you can't read that. Who can read that? But it wasn't meant for you. Think about it. It was meant for God. He can read it. But I just started thinking about his strength. Because I woke up this morning, and I was just like, God, I don't don't know. I don't know that I can. I, I I don't know. And it was just like God said, I'm here. I'm present. I'm going to help you. And he's just like, he showed up and he just showed me his strength. I just like, God, thank you. And I started thinking of verses. When I am weak, then I'm strong. And, and then I started thinking about Psalm 18, verse 2, and how he's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer, he's my refuge, he's my salvation, he's my stronghold. And I could break each one of those down and start praising him for each of those. And then, and, and, and then I realized, oh God, you're, you're my strength. I can do all things through you. See what I did is I turned it from my situation. I turned it to who God is and just started praising him for who he is. And what we've done, because here's what you do. Again, 
praise is about the character of God. So we have this long list, and it's really a long list. It's five pages front and back, to be exact. Uh, we have we have we have every name character of God that's uh, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That you can zap that little QR code if you're in the in the app. You can you can download it, but it is literally front and back. Of those are the names of God the Father. Uh, here's God the Son, front and back, all the way. Holy Spirit, all all the names, all the ways the Holy Spirit works in our life. What what I challenge you for thirty for sixty days is to start taking the names and the character of God and just begin to let Him show up in your life, and let that become your prayer starter. Because once you know who He is. Praise is going to come from you. Rejoicing is going to come from you. Singing is going to come from you. It's going to change your perspective on your day. Number two, priorities. Starts with praise, moves to priorities. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, it is most important that the world line up with heaven then the heaven line up with this world. And you've heard me say, and I'm afraid you're going to probably hear me say for the rest of 2024, that it is not about the Republicans or the Democrats. And it is not about America. Believe it or not. It's about the kingdom of God. And it is the kingdom of God that will last forever, that was established uh, by God. And that is what we get to be a part of. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm wanting, you're, you're the priority, nobody else. But what God does is he takes his little pen and for some reason, I'm going to get really personal, for some reason, God wrote you into today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, but he wrote you into today. Make no mistake about it. This drama and this kingdom agenda is at the center of the meaning of the cosmic history and your own individual story. God's kingdom is a part of your individual story. Like a grand conductor who calls in flutes at just the right time. Your father has brought you into this cosmic symphony at your unique place in time and space so that you can be a vibrant outpost in your sphere of influence. In short, you are here to be an apprentice of the Lord Jesus to learn how to live your life as well as a part of God's broader purposes, His kingdom. This is your calling. This is your destiny. This is your only chance to have a life of genuine, full human flourishing. Do you want that? Do you want his kingdom to come? There were a few years ago when Lori and I were feeling like God was calling us and one was feeling more called to Africa than, than the other. And, 
And the thing is about Lori and I, we've made this commitment from the time we got married, is that we will make decisions together, right or wrong. Sometimes we make wrong decisions, but we will make them together. We don't buy things, we buy them together. We don't, we don't, we don't move somewhere unless we move, you know, in our hearts together. Well, one was feeling called to Africa, one wasn't, so what we do? We just pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We get over to Africa, God began to move in our heart to come back to start at Grace Point. And it was like one of us was in line, one was not in line, so we just began to pray. Thy will be done. Your kingdom come, thy will be done. Until we got alignment. We just let God do the do the aligning. I don't I don't force it on her, she didn't force it on me. We just wait for God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The past couple of years I've had serious prayer requests that I've given up to God, and God has given me a big fat hearty no. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's also answered some of those prayers with a yes. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, prayer, again, is not me getting my will into heaven. It's getting God's will into me. It's about his kingdom, not my kingdom. It's about self-surrender. E. Stanley Jones said, prayer is self-surrender. One of the best prayers, one of the most important prayers you'll ever pray is the prayer that Jesus talked about in a parable of a person who had given their life to God. And he just said this, the shortest, sweetest, simplest prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The most important prayer you will ever pray is God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And if you've not reached that point where you're ready to surrender and give him the priority of your life, then you're not ready. But if you're here in this room today and you just feel like, okay, now is the time, Right here, right now, say to Jesus, Jesus, my awesome Savior. Again, start with praise. Be merciful to me, a sinner, and give your life to him. In less than a month, we're going to have a baptismal time where we're going to celebrate that new life. Don't miss out on that. One of the most beautiful times together where we acknowledge the life change that God is doing. Starts with praise, moves to priority, but it also goes to provision. Again, remember in the middle of the in the middle of the the prayer, the Lord's prayer, He moves from praying to God and focusing on God. Doesn't mean God's not out of it. Just God sets the sets the bar, and then we start moving to praying for the needs that we have. Now it's interesting whenever you think about the the needs that we have. But in verse eight, in the same thing, He says, "Father knows what you what you need before you ask." Think about that. Why does God need me to pray if he already knows what I need? Why why pray? It's not about getting your list. It's about a communion. He wants you to be in communion. It's not about me going to Lori and giving her my list. She wants to be in communion with me. We want to be in communion with one another. And so you go on and you you find that he even asks us in, in chapter 7, verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. He's just basically saying, I'm inviting you into this relationship. And it's a relationship where you're going to come and bring your needs to me. And sometimes if you don't ask, you're not going to get it, James says. Because it's about a relationship and building that relationship with him. God's thirst, as Augustine said, God's thirst to be thirsted after. God wants the relationship. And now think about this. He said, 
Give us this day our daily bread. How simple is that? Break it down. Break it down. Give. It's the realization that I can't provide for all of my needs. Give. God, I need you. I need you to be a part. Give us. Now notice, there are no first personal pronouns anywhere in the Lord's Prayer. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say I. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say my. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for your brother. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and not include your brother. You'll never see a personal pronoun. It's always us. Lord, we need us. We need you to step into us, into our situation. Give us this daily bread. Daily, daily. What's it daily? Yeah, daily. Going to him, moment by moment, praying without ceasing. Remember, it's communion. Bread? Now again, notice the dichotomy here. First part of it, big God, big name, big holy God, you know, authority, kingdom, all that kind of stuff. First, we switch over to asking for provision. We ask for bread. Bread? I don't, sorry, I don't need God to give me bread. I can go to the come and go and scrape together a few nickels and buy some bread. I can go to a neighbor and get some bread. Why ask for bread? Because he's showing us this, that prayer covers the entire spectrum of our life. From the big God kingdom stuff all the way down to the flake of bread on your table. It's about communion. Not about what you can do and then God fills in the blank. It's about the bread. And this is something I've been doing for years and that is writing out my prayer request. So again, I'm going to show you, but this time it's not in my hand script. Um, uh, that's not my hand script for sure. Uh, this is literally how I do it. One side of the column, I put the date I start praying for. The other side of the column, put the date that it's answered. Because I want to start seeing how God began, it creates praise for me. And these are just a couple of them. I want to focus on, on number two. Lori, bring healing to Lori. She's here today. She hasn't been here in a while. She's been sick for about a month and a half. And so I'm going to selfishly say, would you pray for me and for Lori, mostly for Lori? that you would continue to heal her. Um, I, I celebrate that we just finished up our, our, our Discipleship University and Old Testament survey. So I celebrate that one. Peavies, I'm praying for her. We have a partnership in Japan. I'm going to Japan in a few weeks, but the point is, is that I'm praying. They didn't ask for this. I'm just praying because I felt led to pray for them that they would find six people of peace, that God would bring six people of peace into their life. And I'm going to pray that until they tell me that they have found six people of peace. Read Luke 10 about that. But I want to add one more that I want to invite you into. And that's praying for one weekend. That's two weekends from now. And what we have done is we have put in the names of, of our students, okay, that have registered. If your student hasn't registered, it's now time, okay? I know procrastination is the name of the game in Northwest Arkansas, but it's time. All right, so register today. But anyway, we're praying for it. In fact, if you don't register today, your kid's not going to be prayed for. So think about it like that. Because we've already assigned these out. So maybe register this week. We'll have a card for them next week. So anyway, we want to pray for that. That is our biggest student event of the year. We want to ask that God would do an incredible work. Listen, there's no thing too big 
And if bread is as simple as bread, there's no thing too small. Make your list and begin to anticipate God at work. Number four, pardon. This is real for all of us. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us is an imperative command. Actually, God, please, I'm begging you. Forgive me. And then it says, forgive our debtors. That is actually in the indicative, which means it's ongoing. So forgiveness is, yes, I God, I need your forgiveness. But here's the reality. I'm going to have to live in the indicative where I'm constantly forgiving. You wake up one day, I think I, I, think I forgave that person who hurt me. And you wake up the next day and they're back. And you have to forgive them again. You realize sooner or later that forgiveness is not setting them free. Forgiveness is setting you free of the pain that they've caused. Martin Luther King said it well. Forgiveness is not just an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. Menrith Meyer uh, was founded on Paul Meyer and Frank Menrith, pioneers in biblical counseling. And they said this from their early years. I copied it down years ago. That the number one disease in America that causes depression, emotional disorders, and burnout is unresolved anger. You got to let go. Just like we want God to let go of our infractions, we need to let go of others. Pardon. Priorities. Provision. Praise. And lastly, path. The path. You want me to take God? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Fifteen times in the Sermon on the Mount alone does he recognize God is your Father. Fifteen times. That was not even a common practice in the Old Testament. Why am I making a big deal of it? It's because we have a Father who wants to lead your life, who wants to guide you, who wants the very best for you and not lead you in temptation, but deliver you from evil. So I want you to ask yourself a few questions before we demonstrate this. What has he asked you to give? Fill the blank that you're withholding. Where has he asked you to serve? That you're resisting. Where has he asked you to go that you're, that you're staying was he asked you to stop, but you still keep doing it? Was he asked you to start, but you're stalling? I said, we're going to describe it. We're going to demonstrate it. And then you're going to go from here and you're going to practice it all week long. I want us to think about it for a moment as we get into a prayerful posture. This is something that I'm not doing alone, although I am not pretending, okay? This is real. This is something that I invite you in. So right now, let's bow our heads. I want to challenge you to just take three long, deep breaths. We're not going to rush this. 
Just recenter your scattered senses. that I need for the task you call me to. You are the strength to resist when I'm being pulled into a lie. You are my strength. You're my strength. You're my refuge. God, I can't do this without you. I'm a weak, frail individual. You're so, you're so big, but yet you made yourself so small when you put on flesh and you came to us. Lord, you have a kingdom. You hold this world together by your, by your words. How insane. Your words hold this together. Lord, I want to be about your stuff. Lord, I'm I'm troubled by our country. I'm troubled by our nation. It's just, Lord, the fighting, the name calling, the division, the the one side against another side. Lord, 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 that that does not bode well. And I pray for 2024 in America. And I pray for this church. And I pray for my own soul that I will not be sucked in to the fighting. I want to be about your kingdom. Father, you know I'm a needy person. I always have things that I'm rushing into your presence asking you for God it just doesn't seem right after all that you've given me that I would ask for more but you tell me Lord you want me to ask you so I ask you I ask you for my wife 
you to heal her. Whatever it is, I don't know. We don't know. I ask you, for the people in this room that I love, Lord, you have needs. Lord, it's simple as bread. It's as big as a person's health, a person's breathing. It's that big. Lord, there's there's one person, Lord, on this earth that I just have a hard time with. And you know there's more, but there's one. I can't even look at their post online. I can't. I don't want to see them in Walmart. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to, Lord. Lord, I need your forgiveness and I need to forgive them. I can't make it all right. I can't make it all go away. But I want to release them to you right now. I want to release the offenses to you right now. I give it. I give them to you, Lord. I give my heart to you, Lord, because I know I'll be sucked back into it if I'm not careful. So, Lord, I commit it to you. And I pray that every step I take will be a step in your direction. I pray for the people in this room, Lord, right now, for some that, Lord, they need to know what their next step of obedience is. Lord, you tell us to to help us to avoid that path that leads to temptation and destruction. God, don't let me, don't let us get off of that path that leads to light and to truth and to what's good and to you. Oftentimes when I'm when I'm through praying, I might just sing a chorus. If I don't know the whole song, it might be a song that we sang here on Sunday. Right now, what tends to come to my mind a lot is the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Sing with me if you want. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise 
praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.